Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us, but truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Hello to all my fellow Mavericks and all my fellow Misfits. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Jeff. Grateful that you have tuned in today. Um, we are in such a an interesting season just personally and as my family um, has navigated some deep and meaningful changes that the Father has given us in recent weeks and months, some of them uh, able to make us rejoice, some of them bringing great sorrow as my wife's father passed away. Uh, just a short time ago and last week we were um, just with family and processing and saying goodbye with the funeral home and then the actual memorial service and burial and it was an intense time of reflection what is noteworthy I think anyway in the from the prophetic element is on the very same day it was being announced at my former church Newbridge Church and my new church the church at Winder both churches were simultaneously announcing that I was leaving Newbridge to go to the church at Winder. While that was happening, uh, we were literally um, on our way to the hospital as Amy's dad passed away just a short time later. So in a matter of just a couple of hours, we were saying goodbye to a former long season of serving at Newbridge Church and saying goodbye to her father, who's obviously been with Amy her entire life and with me since 1997 when I married Amy and um, it was just such an intense shift that a full chapter of life came to a close and a new chapter opened up and we're just grateful. Let me just throw this out there. It doesn't really have anything to do with what I want to share today, but let me just remind all of us that the only one who never changes is the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else is subject to change. Um, time is um, no respecter of persons. Seasons come to an end. New seasons open up. People pass away. People move in and out of our lives on a regular basis. And the only one that we can rely on as the changeless one is uh, the Lord himself. And so I'm very, very grateful today that in the midst of a lot of change and most of it positive, but some of it really heartbreaking and sad, uh, we can get on our knees before the throne of God by faith, and we can say, Jesus, you are the lone constant. You are the changeless great I am. You are the one who has pledged himself, and we never have to wonder if we're going to wake up to a different king on any given day because you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And hallelujah, I hope you're resting in him today. Um, I want to talk to you today um, coming from the standpoint of a question that I want to unpack with you. And it's a question that is going to alarm some people. If you've already looked at the title of the podcast, you probably uh, were curious as to what my answer is going to be because today's episode is titled, Can We Love the Bible Too Much? Is it possible to love the written word of God too much? And let me go ahead and give you the answer. Yes, you heard me right. It is possible to love the written word of God too much. Now, already some of you are tempted to just dismiss this podcast and say, oh my goodness, Jeff has truly gone off the edge. 
He is officially a heretic because he's telling us that we can love the written word of God, the revelation of God too much. And uh, I encourage you, just be courageous. Don't turn the podcast off because I want to explain to you why my answer is yes. And it's not really that complicated. Um, If we ever get to the point where we love the written word of God more than we love the author of the written word of God, God himself, if we ever love the Bible more than we love God, then we love our Bibles too much. And I'm going to show you from the Bible uh, why this is true and how Jesus exposed it in his day. Now, before I get into all of that, for you that are maybe unfamiliar with my background and new to the podcast or new to the broader Transforming Truth ministry, let, let me remind you a couple of things. Transforming Truth which Mavericks and Misfits comes under the umbrella of the ministry Transforming Truth, which I began in 2007. It's a ministry dedicated to propagating the Word of God through expository preaching. And it's been doing that both through media and through missions um, for, well, since 2007, so 14 years. And that's all we do. So I write and I preach and I teach and I stick to the objective scriptures. And the point is, is that we don't want to be deceived by trends in our churches, nor do we want to be um, enslaved by traditions in our churches, but it is the truth of the word of God that transforms us. And so for 14 years, I've been um, publicly through Transforming Truth, pounding that point home. And I've been doing it privately since the late 1990s in my own preaching and teaching ministry. Um, I have a master's of divinity in ministry and I wrote my thesis. My thesis was, uh, titled, um, can one arrive at a, um, position of cessationism through a sola scriptura hermeneutic? That sounds fancy, doesn't it? (laughs) Can one arrive at a cessationist position through a sola scriptura hermeneutic? So, Uh, And all that means is, can you actually believe that the gifts disappeared if you're using only the Bible to formulate your beliefs? That's what the whole thesis was about. So I said all of that, not to, you know, pump myself up or anything, but just letting you know, I'm actually a thinking person. I actually believe in the written word of God. I've dedicated my life to preaching and teaching it. And so when I'm answering the question, can we love our Bibles too much? And I'm answering it in the affirmative, yes. I'm not some kind of, you know, flaky, charismatic dude who just kind of lives from experience to experience. I'm actually going to use the word of God today to show you that Jesus confronted a group of people and basically told them, you love your Bible so much that you're rejecting me. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so I got your attention now. So the the question is, can we love the Bible too much? My answer is yes. And I think the best um, statement that Jesus made on this issue is found in John chapter 5. John chapter 5 is an incredible chapter just on its own. But from, from this couple of verses, just listen to what the Son of God said. And I'm going to tell you to whom he said it in a moment. But just listen to what he said in John 5. 39 through 40. This is the words of Jesus Christ. He said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Can I read it again for emphasis sake? Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they, it is the scriptures that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me 
that you may have life. And so in those two statements from John 5, 39 and 40, Jesus exposes what I call bibliolatry. And what is bibliolatry? It's simply the idolization of theological pursuit through the scriptures. It's Jesus actually taught that it is possible to so love the pursuit of the scriptures, the pursuit of written revelation, the of course, to whom he was speaking was their Bible was the Torah. It was the law of Moses. It was the law of God. It was the prophets and the historical books that comprise in the poetic books that comprise our Old Testament. And Jesus never said, don't study them. He said, you study them. You search the scriptures so much. And he said, your motive is because you think that in doing so, you have eternal life. And Jesus corrects him. He says, but it's those very scriptures that bear witness about me. And yet you refuse to come to me so that I can give you the life that you think you find in the scriptures. That's what he said. It's right there in John 5, 39 through 40. And so he, he exposes their bibliolatry. Now, let, let me just say this. To whom was he speaking? Because that's important. He was speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. And these men were the most disciplined, conservative scholars of their day. Uh, The Pharisees and the scribes were impeccably moral in their behavior. They were robust in their commitment to prayer and fastings and all their rituals and religious standards. They were very sincere. They were extremely conservative in their theology. And they literally cherished the scriptures. And yet you find out when you're studying the gospels that it was these very men, the Pharisees and the scribes, along with the chief priests, they were the ones who opposed the person and mission of Jesus more than anybody. I want you to think about that. All of their love for the Torah did not empower these men and what they represented to recognize their God. Even as Jesus stood in their midst for three years, releasing kingdom truths verbally, and not to mention, not to fail to mention that he was performing kingdom miracles right in front of their eyes, but all of their committed scholarship to the written word of God did not produce authentic discipleship. Get this, hear me on this, scholarship does not equal discipleship. You've got to hear me in that. Now, listen, I come from a very conservative uh, theological background. Uh, I was Baptist and not just Baptist, but independent fundamental Baptist. We, we, I think we maybe subtly believed we were the only ones going to heaven back in the day. And uh, we would talk a lot about the authority of scripture and the inspiration of scripture and the fact that, you know, scripture was, um, you know, without error, it was infallible. And I haven't backed off of any of that at all. I still believe that. I probably believe it more strongly today than I did back then. But the problem was, is that we had our own slant on scripture. And so while what we were saying about the actual words of scripture was true, um, we had massive blind spots that resulted in legalism, that resulted in lovelessness, that resulted in judgmentalism that resulted in ecclesiastical isolation from people who might believe differently than us. And so in all of the word of God that we pursued, we missed the heart of God to a large extent. And so I've, I've got to give you a couple of things here. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm keeping you kind of centered 
and what I do believe, and yet what I'm refuting here. I, I want to re- just establish that our theology must be sound. Theology must be true. I mean, if it's true theology, it, we're talking about words about God. That's what theology means. That's the etymology of the word. Theology is the words of God. And they've got to be true as we're speaking them and teaching them and preaching them. I believe they need to be deep. I don't believe in a theological, excuse me, a superficial approach to theology. I think we're meant to go deep theologically. And so somebody that, you know, knows like five verses and then just lives from experience to experience and conference to conference and, you know, gift to gift. And that's just shallow Christianity. I don't want to have anything to do with that. So we've got to be theological people sound, true, deep theology. It's aligned with the written revelation of scripture. Okay. So I'm just making sure you know that I am a Bible man. I believe in the Bible. I believe the Bible. I believe in the veracity of scripture, but that's not what we're talking about today because the end of good theology is never meant to have been good theology. That's not the goal. The goal of theology is not better theology. Theology is a means to the end, and it's always meant to be that way. And the end is to know God in a personal, intimate way that results in us loving him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is the goal of God's word. It is for us to know God in a personal and an intimate way, not just an academic way. It's to result in you and me as followers of Jesus, loving him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's why he said to the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, you're searching the scriptures because you think that in the scriptures you have eternal life. He says, but the scriptures bear witness about me. And yet you refuse to come to me that you can actually have that life. So guys, the application is this, is that you can love your Bible so much that the Bible becomes your functional goal. And dare I say it, your functional God. And that is bibliolatry, where you worship the pursuit of theology more than you worship the source of theology and the goal of theology. And what is the source and the goal? God himself. God is the source of theology and God is the goal of theology. The goal of the gospel is God, as John Piper has uh, made known to us years ago. And so theology and pursuing theology and debating theology and dissecting theology, that was never meant to be what God gives us to do in our Christian life. But these, these scribes and the Pharisees represent today, and I'll just be bold here, and it may impact some of you. It may land right on some of you. But those of you that just go theology, 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 Bible, 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 study the scripture, study the scripture, I can't tell you how many times... I've had people just kind of throw this statement out there. Scripture is sufficient. That's enough. Okay, well, what is Scripture sufficient for? Because Jesus clearly said to the most scriptural conservative scholars of his day that Scripture isn't sufficient for everything. And, And yet today we feel like if we dare say that, that we're some kind of heretic. But Jesus said it. Jesus said to the people that had the Scriptures that it's not enough. He said, you think you're getting everything you need. You think that you are finding eternal life in your study of the scriptures, but eternal life is actually to know God and Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. Jesus said that in John chapter 17, this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. 
That's what Jesus said. And the scriptures are not equal to Jesus. The Bible is not God. Now, I know we know that, but friends, I'm going to ask you to be courageous and examine your life and say, do I actually live out that truth or do I worship the scriptures? Do I sacrifice what the scriptures say because I think I'm in allegiance to the scriptures? So we, we're finding that it's a little bit of a um, backing into a corner here. We, we're having to examine our hearts because Jesus told these theological giants, listen, listen what he said in John 5, 38, right before the verses I've already read to you. He said, you do not have his word abiding in you for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. <laughs> you and I don't recognize how offensive that would have been to the scribes and Pharisees. He literally said to the ones who memorized massive portions of scripture, he said to them, you don't have his word in you abiding in you. He said, you've got words in you, but you don't have the word in you. You, you do not have the word of God living and abiding in you because you don't believe me and I'm the one whom he sent. So the scribes and the Pharisees knew the words of their Bible, but they did not possess yet the truth. They were ever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so in saying this, Jesus exposes the reality that all of their robust theology is not enough. Why? Because only the Spirit, only Holy Spirit can produce transformation of the heart. So if we possess the Word of God, but we're not yielded to the Spirit of God, then no matter the amount of theology that we've ingested or that we've systematized or understood with our minds, no matter what that amount is, we don't actually experience the intention of God in giving us his word in the first place. So guys, think about this. Jesus actually taught that a mere intellectual understanding of scripture is never sufficient to bring us into the fullness of what God has for us as his children. It, it, Jesus said in John six sixty three. you might want to write that verse down. John six sixty three. Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So an experience with God that never moves past the mind is nothing but flesh. You can have a brilliant, intellectual, theological, systematized, orthodox theology that abides and owns your mind. But if it never moves past the mind, then everything you've learned is housed in the box of flesh. I, by the way, I, just to be fair, I'd say the same thing about an experience of God that is merely emotional, that doesn't have any intellectual um, groundings or parameters or anchors. That's all flesh too. But it's interesting to me that very conservative Bible people will point the finger readily at charismatics who are emotional in their worship and who are, um, I'm talking about them like I'm not one. I would put myself in the group of charismatic. I'm a word and spirit guy. I believe in the gifts of the spirit. Therefore, by definition, I'm charismatic. I practice the gifts of the spirit. But when, when people are pointing the fingers, you know, the non-charismatics point the fingers, ah, that's all a bunch of flesh. And that's, that's all a bunch of emotionalism. And that's all a bunch of just, that's the devil. And they never look in the mirror and say, yeah, but I have no emotion. I feel nothing. My heart's not moved at all. 
I have a sentimental fondness of God in my mind, but my heart never bursts with the flood and the explosion of gratitude and joy and power and peace. But I have robust theological understanding. And they never consider that Jesus said, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. And so the flesh is no help at all. We're utterly dependent on the, upon the spirit of God. He's the one who brings us into the fullness of kingdom life. And so those who believe that an orthodox theology is the end game of what it means to be a solid follower of Jesus, those people have to answer the question, what then did Jesus mean when he said that his words are spirit and life? The spoken words of Jesus and therefore, the, as well as the entire written word of God, the Bible itself says those words are spirit and life. And people need to think through that and ask themselves, how does that play out in my own life? Because this removes the possibility of you and I ever regarding the Bible as merely a book to master with our minds. If we're reading and understanding and believing the scriptures as God intends for us to do so, we're going to experience an, um, a living, ongoing spiritual transformation within us that it's going to result in a lifestyle of loving God with our whole being. And so going back to Jesus' original audience, the Pharisees and the scribes worshipped their scriptures but not the God who gave those scriptures to them. That's so sobering. I, I'm going to give you this as I get ready to close. I, I believe that there are entire segments of the body of Christ who love the Bible, love the written word of God, reverence it as we should, have no desire to be in any kind of camp that doesn't have high, high, high regard for the word of God but I never want to worship my Bible. I never want Jesus to say to me, Jeff, you keep searching the scriptures because you think in them that you're going to find the life that your soul longs for. But Jeff, those scriptures speak of me and I am the one who imparts the life that your soul longs for. A lot of you that may be listening, um, you love your Bible, but your soul is empty. Come on. Let's just be honest. All your study of scripture produces a confidence in your mind, but your heart is empty or your heart is weak. Your love for Jesus and your love for others is not strong. You obey rules that you read in scripture, principles that you read in scripture. You're filled with shame when you break a rule, when you violate a principle, when you disobey a commandment. And so you're filled with shame because the goal has been, I must obey scripture, not I must love God. Because here's the beautiful thing. When you come into the fullness of loving God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, all of it, when you commit to that process, and we're all growing in that, nobody's arrived yet, but some haven't even begun. And, but when you do, when you just say, I, I have to know him I need to experience him. It has to be personal. It has to be intimate. I need to feel my God. I don't feel God every day. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't feel God every day, but I feel God most days. And on good days, I feel God all day. 
And that wasn't always the case because I used to think, okay, I'll just read my Bible, study my Bible, systematize my theology, grow in greater understanding, be able to debate and defend my theology. And somewhere along the line, I'll fall in love with God. And it never happened. It just didn't happen. What, what changed? When I realized that all my study of scripture wasn't producing in me a heart that was passionate about the Lord, I obeyed because I was afraid not to obey. I did the right thing because I was afraid of the consequences if I broke a rule. And then, of course, when I did break a rule, when I sinned, um, I, I scrambled to figure out how, how, how do I get back right with God? How do, I, how do I make this right? How do I unbreak the rule I broke? And it was all like just performance-based identity with God instead of just saying, oh, God, I am loved by you. And because I'm so deeply loved by you, I'm going to love you back. Teach me how to love you. Yes, teach me that you're lovable through the word. You're worthy of my love. Teach me that through the word. But God, don't let me just love the word about you while I maintain a distance from you. That's what the scribes and Pharisees did. By the way, if you, if you remember, ultimately, these Bible scholars, the Pharisees and scribes, led the mob along with the chief priest led the mob to crucify Jesus. They killed God. All their love for the scriptures, the end game for them was to reject God and kill God and be rid of God. And in doing so, they thought they were faithful to the scriptures. That's how blind loving your Bible more than you love God can take you. You will actually be susceptible to violating the heart of what the word reveals as you seek to defend or systematize what the words themselves reveal. And some people just can say, Jeff, that'll never happen to me. Well, I'm just going to ask you, um, in all of your pursuit of theology, does your pursuit of theology lend itself to you living like Jesus? How did Jesus live with those that he disagreed with? How did Jesus live with those that were in error? How did Jesus live with those that didn't rise to his perfection and his, his standard of holiness how did Jesus treat people that were overt sinners? How did Jesus um, express himself to a, a pagan woman at the well in John 4 whose worship was jacked up, her morality was jacked up, her family life was jacked up? And yes, Jesus actually used the scriptures, but in doing so, he went after the heart of the woman and didn't reject her, but he actually redeemed her. Why? Well, because, I mean, he could have dropped the atomic bomb of just verses to blast her into correction. He could have tried that. He could have done that. He had the right to because he is the word, but he didn't. He actually had all of the, the theology down pat. <laughs> Jesus is theology. And um, he, didn't, he didn't wreck her. He didn't destroy her. He actually loved her. He did the same thing with Zacchaeus. He did the same thing with countless sinners that were brought before him, the woman taken in adultery. He had the word. And yet what he did is he moved in the compassionate heart of God towards those that were in massive error. And some of us in deeply rich theological communities, we actually use our theology as the means by which we justify our rejection, our separation, and our isolation of people whom God loves. That's when you love your Bible too much. That's when you have a warped, understanding of what the scriptures were given for. And so today, I hope you sense a little prophetic edge on this. 
I'm calling us to love our Bibles more deeply than we've ever loved them before, but I'm calling us to stop idolizing the written words of Scripture and making them equal with God because they're not equal with God. They are a revelation of who God is, and when properly interpreted, they will bring us into a much more intimate relationship with Him so that we are able to receive the heart of God. A lot of people have the Word of God but don't have the heart of God, and God is not pleased with that in His church today. And so he's calling us to abandon and repent of our bibliolatry and to start reading the God, reading the word of God as a means to know the God of the word and to become more like him. Those are my thoughts today on Mavericks and Misfits. I so love the fact that you've tuned in. Listen, if you want to find out more about what God's doing um, through this ministry and through the broader Transforming Truth ministry, I'm going to point you to our website transformingtruth.org transformingtruth.org one more time transformingtruth.org um, there's so much teaching that's available on there preaching and teaching and that'll prove to you that I'm not some flake I believe in the word of God most of my ministry is teaching preaching the word of God but not as an academic exercise I'm preaching and teaching it under life transformation and faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ so we need the words we need to speak we need to listen we need to believe we need to obey the word of God um, and so in doing so, we're, we're, we would become more like him and experience him as he wants to be known by us. And so go to transformingtruth.org, avail yourself of all those free resources, download the Transforming Truth app, um, especially younger generation. They don't want to be on a computer all day, so they have phones and tablets. Just get, get the Transforming Truth app. Just search in wherever you get your apps. Search Jeff Lyle or Transform Truth, download the app, and everything is there. All of my social media accounts, all of that stuff. And take advantage of it and pray you'll tell people about um, the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. I really feel like we're moving into a, a season where we're going to be doing some spiritual fathering. Amy's going to be, my wife Amy is going to be on some of these podcasts to do some spiritual mothering. And um, listen, if you live in the Bethlehem Winder area or Athens or Decula or Auburn, Georgia, um, come and visit me at the church at Winder. The church at Winder is uh, the new home base, and that's where my new spiritual family is. We're getting to know each other. It's a great time to connect, and we'd love to have you come and be out there uh, with us and just join in on what the Lord is doing. It's already going to be an incredible season, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. And so my time's gone. If you have questions, comments, or ideas for future podcast episodes, email me at this address. It's Jeff, J-E-F-F. At maverickmisfit.com. Maverickmisfit.com. Jeff at maverickmisfit.com. Let me know what you're thinking. Give me some feedback. If you hate what I'm teaching, go ahead and email me there and I will read it and I will respond to you. And if you love what I'm teaching, hallelujah, please do that too. Don't be bashful. Don't be shy. I would love to hear from you guys. All right, time's gone. Hey, I did good today. I finished on time. And um, I hope that you've been edified by what you've heard and tune in to the next podcast. We usually release every Tuesday and every Thursday. And uh, we'll see you on that schedule in time to come. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.